Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of Future Sox Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am joined this evening by the one and only James Fox. How are you, James? Hey, man. Thanks for joining me again. This is awesome. Yeah, it's working out well. Um, so the White Sox are showing up to camp with 70 people. Yeah. I mean, I that's a lot of apartments that they have to rent. <laughs> Uh, so I know Jerry's not happy about it, but uh, your well, thoughts? So, I mean, I, like, how many is it usually? Like, I know 70s a lot, but what, like 50s? Yeah, okay. Yeah, usually. Okay. So usually 50-some. So, like, I kind of wonder how long, like, the prospects are going to be in big league camp. Like, is it just going to be like, okay, yeah, you just, like, participated, go to the minor league side? Because they have so many veterans in camp and so many guys on NRIs and guys that theoretically have a shot at making the team. Like, I don't know. Like it's like, there's not going to be enough playing time unless they're playing like three separate split squads a game, you know, so, or a day. So I don't know. Like, we'll see. I mean, there's, you know, there's nobody in camp that like is totally like an obvious, like go back to the minor league side. Right. But I mean, maybe anybody that, was a prospect not on the 40, like your Montgomery's cannons, those type guys. Like maybe they just go back right away. I I don't know. It's that is a great question. Um, I, I can't, I mean, it's like there's, there's going to be 15 podcasts by uh, our Chuck about uh, with Hanser Alberto storylines. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. Well, some of the guys that he's going to do podcasts with aren't even like signed in on the team yet. I, I'm afraid. Like this is what what does this get to? Does it get to eighty? That's what I'm thinking. That's that was that was actually one of my first yeah. questions. Is are they going to bring in other people? Because at this point, like I, my brain yeah. might explode if the, if it gets up to like eighty. I I lose my mind. Well, how many unsigned former Royals are there? I mean, Alex, Alex Gordon, Lorenzo Kane, you know, like Mike Sweeney. Yeah. I'm sure. So. He's out there somewhere. I'm sure. There's a bunch of bad pitchers. No, I don't know. I mean, look, there's, there's a hundred unsigned free agents, right. And they're not all getting big league deals. So, I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, gets is basically like, screw it. Yeah. You want like, I mean, the Mustakis thing, like, I guarantee you there's been offer out for, for a month because they're buddies. Like, hey, you know, if you uh, feel like taking a minor league invite, like we have room for you. I'm sure he's had that same conversation with lots of people. So, well, yeah, this, up, this thing could expand quickly. Yeah, I mean, you bring up Mike Moustakis. Uh, you know, we looked at his, we've looked at his numbers, and it, it's not anything that I would deem impressive by any means. It's not anything that I would even say is remotely even good. Uh, but when you look at Gavin Sheets, who's still on the 40 man, it, it's an improvement, uh, unfortunately. I mean, it's a, it's a, a sad state of affairs, but that that's yeah. an improvement. Well, I think he had a league average OPS plus against righties still though, even though he was bad, like it was like 105 or something, um, uh, Sheets had a 61 weighted runs created plus last year, like which is obviously not going to work. Um, so yeah, like Mike Mustak is not not great, um, but he's you know I hate like we do this every week I feel like right, but yeah. like he he's better than Gavin Sheets is, and he, like Gavin Sheets has an option, 
So, like, I think Mike Moustakis probably makes the team, personally. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, is he going to find the Fountain of Youth? I don't know. You'd have to check this because I'm not sure. I heard, like, he was better in Colorado for sure, but I think he hit more homers for the Angels. Um, and he was um, with Marcus Timms last year. So, in, An- in Anaheim. That's, so I point. think he's I think he's probably on the team. Now, I will say it's probably the same issue that we talked about with Sheets, right? Like he should only face righties. But are you ever going to like play him over Vaughn or Alloy? So is he really a pinch hitter? I don't know. You know, like I don't really know how often he'd actually play, but he seems like a more likely option now than Sheets as that fourth bench guy, you know, with an extra infielder, um, Pilar and a catcher. So yeah, getting I, the band I, back together. I don't disagree, but I, it makes me sad. You know, I, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to pull any punches on it. It makes me sad that this is even a conversation to be had that the White Sox are, are bringing in. And it, and like I said, it's like an entire roster rosters worth of these guys that they brought in for spring training. And it's, it's, it's pretty overwhelming when you just look, you know, scroll down the names and there's just so many guys that were, you know, uh, you know, it's major league esque, you know, with uh, some of these guys are dead, you know, but I will say I do like, like I like this bullpen, this bullpen approach better than what they've done. I mean, obviously like you give like eight to $9 million to all these guys. And I think all of us kind of complain that you're in your window spending whatever, like 40% of your budget, like on bullpen, this is a way to do it. You just throw 35 guys at the problem to come up with eight, you know, and like this might actually be okay. Cause you know, in like a best case scenario, some of these guys are really good for a few months and then you spin them off. Like even, you know, like I know we talked to, Joe Doyle like this morning um, on a different show, but I mean, you know, you get a 45 future reliever for a current reliever. That's 38 and not going to be on your team next year. I mean, those are, those are deals that you want to make when you're in the white Sox position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, it's just the, the whole thing. Yeah. I don't mind the bullpen position either. Uh, just the, to me, it, it also, seems like a, a good idea and you know with the budget uh, i'm sh- constraints that i'm sure that gets has been given this makes the most sense and you know i mean there are some some names that are of interest and there are some that while they did have off years last year uh weren't necessarily uh aren't lost causes so you know i'm interested to see if banister can turn some of these guys around and maybe you know working on uh you know whether it be pitch shapes or whether it be uh sequencing you know maybe he comes up with some you know a better plan for you know a couple of these guys that makes it so it's useful to have them around and and they excel i'm hoping yeah and it does seem like command is like a big like primary focus which is good and i don't know that ethan katz like wasn't doing that but i think it's good to have somebody like over cats because like, it's just different, right? Like, Katz has, like, a lot of mouths to feed. And, like, Katz has to still, like, try to win that night's game, right? I think that's, like, part of his gig where, you know, I think it's more on Brian Bannister to, like, win the war theoretically than to win the battle. You know what I mean? So, 
just like some of that stuff. That's why I'm like kind of glad that he's employed. You know, I saw there was like, there's multiple articles out on Michael Kopech and the shape that he's in and some of the conversations he's had with Bannister and obviously turning him around would be like a huge deal. Like, what do you, you think the benefits of like getting Michael Kopech turned around would be him reaching his potential and like signing here or him reaching his potential and trading him too. Like they've traded everybody else. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, I've heard lots of people that say that they would be upset if there was a quote unquote rebuild, you know, and, and they were, you know, they kind of tore it, tore it down a little bit. Um, I'm not of that mindset necessarily. Uh, I would be fine in getting some of the younger guys, some playing time at the sacrifice of, you know, a win here or there in a, what is essentially a lost season. You can call it what you want, but when you win 65 games, it's, it's a lost season. There's you're really playing for nothing other than pride. And with 65 wins, what kind of pride can you possibly have other than knowing that you have developed some of the guys that you've got to work in late, you know, in, you know, next, next season, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah, the whole thing's just kind of, yeah. Kinda, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm really interested to see how they, how they approach this year, and you know how we had joked earlier uh, off stream about, uh, you know, not giving up wins for development. You know, if they're willing to possibly work into that phase a little bit during the year when, when it's already, you know, a it's going to happen that they're going to end up finishing with like 95 losses, you know? Yeah. I think that was like a play stupid game to win stupid prizes thing. Like, it's just, you know, like, like they look, I'm not, I, I'm actually a little bit optimistic about gets. Um, but I think the white Sox might have the worst manager in baseball. Like, it's just, I, I just, I'm not buying you know, any, like he, yeah, I mean, of course he wants veterans because he needs somebody to police his clubhouse so he doesn't have to because he can't do it. Like, yeah. this is like a total obvious move. Now, I understand Getz's perspective. I have no money to spend. So, what's the quickest way to be like not horrendous and like ugly at the same time is fix the defense, right? So, I like, I completely understand that part of it. Um, but the rest, like, I would hope that you're sacrificing wins for development because I think the majority of like, you know, like a really positive season this year includes you trading multiple players like in season it's, and that involves like a good year out of Eloy Jimenez. So you spin him somewhere, you multiple, like if you get anything for Jimmy Lambert, Tanner Banks, like guys along those lines, like that really pop in a bad bullpen and you turn them into pieces that can help you later that's a successful season. I mean, they're not going to win. I mean, whether they win 62 or 72, like it, you know, you, you want to know that you have some building block players for like the next few years after this one. hundred um, percent. So uh, to go back to the, uh, the specific Copic question, um, I don't know what, as to whether they'll keep him or, or trade him. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him, but I did have a question. So he's coming to camp 20 pounds lighter this year than last year. Um, now, if you remember when he was a prospect and you saw all these powerlifting videos, the kid was 
a ho- a hoss, you know, kid was thick. And uh, it seems like the, you know, since he's come back from the injury and he's lost some velocity, he's a little less thick. He's a little bit less strong. And, uh, you know, I don't, necessarily put too much into the uh the intensity bit of it uh but he definitely does seem to be a little bit more calm on his uh kung fu walkabout here yeah. uh you know climbing around in the mountains um what do you how do you what are your thoughts on that do you think that he needs to get a little bit uh more you know jacked again or do you think it matters i i don't know uh, he needs a third pitch is what he needs. Like, and he, and he needs yeah. to freaking throw strikes. I mean, I've pushed against like the move Kopech to the bullpen thing because it's a similar conversation that we have about Garrett Crochet. I don't know that he has the command for the bullpen. I don't know that he has the, the temperament for the bullpen either. I just like don't know that he's that guy, the guy that you want to rely on five times a week or four times a week, you know? And like, even if he isn't as good as we think. And he's just like a number four that has no hit stuff. Like every six times out, like that's still more valuable than him being in the bullpen. So that's why I've always kind of pushed against that. I just, I'm curious to see how short the leash is. Like, you know, if it's the same type of crap that we see where he's tipping and you know, it's like really bad. Like, do they try to salvage him in like a short inning, a short relief role? Um, you know, and then you like move him instantly because I just, I have like similar fears where he's like putting him in the bullpen. Like, I'm not going to assume that he's going to be like one of the best setup guys in baseball, just because you decide to put him in the bullpen. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, speaking of guys that, uh, have had Tommy John and are, uh, on their way back now, uh, Davis Martin is back throwing off the mound uh, James Fegan was happy to, uh, throw out there. Um, do you think that, uh, he's, so he's June, July. I mean, do you see him having a spot in the rotation come that time? I mean, maybe depending on what they do. Right. I think it kind of depends on like cease is likely gone at that point. Um, I would say if everything goes according to plan, like Fetty is probably on the team, but I don't know that Michael Soroka necessarily is. I mean, Soroka's a free agent at the end of the year, correct? Like, that's a guy who maybe they'd like to keep, but if he's pretty good, like, I mean, we keep talking about trades. I mean, that's what this season's going to be, right? So, yeah, I think I think Davis Martin could slide into the rotation or he goes to Charlotte and they take it a little bit easy. But, I mean, he's, you know, I think he, he's a guy that you add add to the pile, the, you know, the, the Schuster and Estrini eater pile. That's the, you know, close to the majors, maybe mid-rotation starter guys but yeah I, they won't they won't rush him back obviously um and his 60 day IL spot I think is going to be pretty important here pretty soon too yeah that's that's the thing is that when he comes off of that injury that's that's another another name you got to snip off the list and it's getting uh to be slim pickings not necessarily that it's not necessarily guys that are you know all-stars but we're talking quality depth you know, pieces that can help the team in one shape or form or, or another, you know? Yeah. And I mean, he'd be helpful now. Like if he was totally healthy, he's probably your number five starter and you don't have to deal with Chris Flexen, right. Or one of these other guys. It's just, you know, I, I heard some, there was some pushback this week on local like radio shows, just like kind of making fun of 
the White Sox, which is in vogue, like that's fine. Like we we can do it too. Um, but just like so, you know, they said that like, you know, they have 15 starters, which is like having two quarterbacks. It means you don't have one. And like I, I just like disagree in this instance. Like what what are they? Like last year they had six and we killed them for it, right? Now they have 15 and you're gonna kill them for it. I mean they're not good, but. Like they have a lot of starting pitching options for the first time in a while. And a lot of them are ticketed for Charlotte and some of them are going in the pen. Like it, there, there's, you know, there's just like bigger Hills to die on. They, they have a lot bigger issues than having 15 starting pitchers in spring training. Yeah. 100%. I totally agree with that, that this is on the, the stack of pancakes of things that you are going to complain about with the white Sox. This one is really low on that, on that stack. Yeah. Um, so here's a question is Jared Kelly in the best shape of his life or the greatest shape of his life? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up a picture here so people can see what we're talking about. Yeah, there we go. Looking pretty svelte there. Yeah. I mean, he looks good. It's like, you know, a career kind of flashing before your eyes maybe. Right. I mean, so Jared Kelly was like, the top prep pitcher in his class um, ranked as high as like 15, I think on MLB pipeline pre-draft and white Sox gave him $3 million. Um, and it wasn't seen as crazy. Um, and like he's struggled and you know, his conditioning has been an obvious part of those struggles, but you know, one of the good things about drafting prep players is that they can struggle for years and years and years, and they're still 22 years old. So, you know, Jared Kelly is 22 years old, and he moved to the bullpen last year, and he was, you know, he was fairly effective. Um, so whether he stays in relief <clears throat> or not, I mean, he could have a big league future. Like, I, you know, the, <clears throat> so we'll see. I mean, we'll see what he looks like. We'll see if they convert him back. My guess is he stays in the pen and they just try to turn him into like a, you know, like a two-pitch guy, which is interesting because, you know, like he was billed as a 70-grade change guy. Like, are you going to go fastball change out of the pen? I don't know. I don't really – I haven't really looked at his pitch mix like out of the pen in Birmingham. But, you know, yeah, it's just another small thing to follow. Jared Kelly's off of top 30 lists. He's not a guy that's – you know, in the front of like mind right now, but he is a guy that's still in the system that could have some big league upside at some point. And, you know, good, good for that kid that he, you know, it, he's looks like he does and he's, you know, taking some initiative. It seems like to have the career that he thought he was going to have. Yeah. Uh, from what I noticed last season, uh, he was doing kind of a, a piggyback role, of sorts, uh, kind of how we saw Mason Adams doing with Noah Schultz. Uh, Jared Kelly did move around a little bit more. He wasn't doing it for one specific pitcher like Adams was. Um, but yeah, it was it, definitely more change up because that was one of the things is that his change up was like pretty much his, you know, he did have velocity, but his command wasn't as good. His change up was his, his major pitch. Uh, it looks like the, the, uh, pitch usage of the changeup and slider have have gone up in relation to the fastball. I feel like the the fastball usage is a little bit down, which is, uh, you know, I mean that may be what's producing the results. But I mean, there's also the there's there's been talk of the not having to start and not having the 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 buildup of anxiety of of getting out there on the mound for the first inning is 
the, you know, possibly one of the things that's helped him out in that role coming out of the bullpen like that. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, this is the second year that we've heard that he's in the best shape of his life. And this time looks better than the last time. And the last time I was like, oh, he looks pretty good this year. Real stinking good. So let's, you know, let's hope that uh, gives him a little extra stamina to add some innings there. Yeah. I mean, his like that photo looks like his like stock photo of like when he was drafted, like, Hey, this is this high school kid out of Texas. But I mean, anytime I've seen him, he's, you know, he's just been a big kid. Like, it, yeah. like, you know, it's like he was getting like Lance Lynn comparisons and he's in the minor leagues, you know? So, and it clearly like affected him. So we'll see uh, how much that changes. Yeah. Speaking of Lance Lynn, I was just going back and watching the U uh, S versus Venezuela in the world baseball classic earlier today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised to watch Lance Lynn just give up bombs. It was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, well, that's when we later. all, well, that was like last year in spring training when we all thought that the white Sox were like on the right track, maybe. Yeah. They had this, <laughs> this vibrant, vibrant new manager that was going to uh, have the team ready to kick your ass at seven ten every night. I, I'm gonna move on from that kind That's not even that's not even one of his like top five worst quotes. Oh no, yeah. 100%. It's not even it's not even close. Yeah. Um I, so I'm gonna in our in our run list here, I'm gonna <laughs> skip ahead because it just talked about Venezuela. So I'm gonna go ahead and bring up uh the White Sox had an international signing the past week, and it was Venezuelan outfielder Christian Gonzalez for five hundred and fifty thousand. Do you know anything about him? I've looked, I can't find much of anything. No, so I'm going to assume that he hits left-handed because he's writing with his left hand in the photo. Um, so left-handed hitting outfielder. But I will say like 550K is a pretty significant bonus. So like there are other guys, um, Eduardo Herrera obviously signed for 1.8 and then they signed Profar for 700K. And then the next guy, um, Primoli, is pretty well regarded. And he's right in there too, 550 or six. So, you know, the, these two guys are similar, definitely like the next two guys in the White Sox class by bonus. Um, and then Orlando Suarez is a guy who was written up as a sleeper by Baseball America. He only signed for 350, but like we've talked about in the past, pitchers are weird. So, yeah. you know, he could be really good, you know. So that's their class as of now. I mean, Francis Romero did the reporting on it. Um, he There's has another Suarez too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. He was significantly cheaper. Um, so yeah. Joe Joe Angel, I think Joe Yoan Hell. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There. So you know, um, Francis also told me that like they're expected to have some Dominican signings, like a handful. So they have 1.8 million right now. Well, d- does that take up all of it? I don't. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. So you know, they might have some money left and. Who knows what they do with it if they do, you know, it's, I'll go on my rant. Like once they have money left, I'll wait and see if they, you know, what they do. I just, I'd like them to spend all of it. Yeah, that would be, that would be a pleasant surprise. Uh, so I had a, uh, this, this is kind of a, a question out of, uh, out of left field. And um, it's not anything that we've talked about before, but uh, with the, with, you know, we actually talked about this part of it with, uh, with Joe Doyle about the White Sox scouting really heavily in Venezuela. Um, do you think that Ozzy Guillen's championship in the, uh, the Venezuelan baseball league and then in the, uh, Caribbean series, 
do you feel that that's going to have a positive effect towards the White Sox when it comes to recruiting down there in in uh, Venezuela? I think it could. I think it. I think it could break ties for sure. You know, I mean, you have to be the highest offer, and the way it goes is like yeah. a lot of times, like you sign multiple guys from one trainer, which is like how some of the collusion and the dirty business starts happening, right? Like you get a, you get a discount on the top guy. Cause you're willing to sign five of his other guys that are never going to be anything, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. And like, I'm not saying the white Sox have taken part in that, but it's been for a long time. I mean, that's what the guy in Atlanta, essentially uh Coppola, that's essentially what he was accused of when he had to vacate his whole thing is he was, he was getting deals on, top guys because he just signed 10 other guys from that trainer. And some of them like had no baseball future at all, you know? So, you know, dirty pool down there, but yeah, I mean like the Sox have been pretty prevalent, like in Venezuela, the last few years, like their, their bigger signings, some of their bigger signings have come out of there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised this year that their, their biggest signing came from there. Cause even last year they had two 700 K guys from, from the Dominican, but Magoyan was their best guy and he was cheap out of Venezuela and they offered yeah. a whole and Venezuelan signings are weird because like oftentimes they're not even reported because of how like bad that country is. Like they're literally like afraid for these kids lives. If like it gets reported that they're getting 2 million from a big league team, like their house yeah. could, could like get raided essentially. So, you know, it's always kind of tough um, to get like the bonuses from down there. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I know that like Freddie Garcia is like a trainer down there and the White Sox have, you know, had some other players that are too. I mean, yeah, Ozzie Gian's a legend down there. So, you know, you, you would think it could help in some capacity. Yeah. I couldn't see how it certainly couldn't <laughs> yeah. see how it would hurt. Yeah. You know, I was just watching the, uh, the, the world baseball classic and just looking at that roster and <laughs> just being like, yeah, it's a, an all-star team almost, you know? Pretty insane. Um, so I'm going to come back uh, stateside here. Um, I wanted to ask you, are you aware that Jonathan Stever is alive? Yes. Yes, he is. Um, is he 27 now? 26, yeah, 27. He's be, he's so be, I know yeah. that he was, I know that he was outrighted last year and then he, you know, he was hurt a bunch, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he's, I, I'm guessing that he's going to be on the Charlotte Knights roster. Um, I, with the looks of like what that roster is projected to be with all these young starters, like I would imagine he's probably pitching out of re in relief. That was my um, thought as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing he's probably a reliever now and does his fastball slider combo. Like, I guess like get better in, in relief. Cause he was, uh, he was pretty good for a while. Um, and then he, you know, injuries kind of derailed him and command issues and, and whatnot. So, but yeah, so we'll see. I mean, he's, I think he's, he's going to be another guy on the pile. Yeah, that's, I, I totally had the same bullpen thought. The, the only thing that I worry about is because of the particular injury that he had with the, with the lat area and oblique area is that, you know, it, is, is it going to become a, uh, you know, just like a, a problem that just keeps on reoccurring. I'm, yeah. and I'm hoping not, you know, it's like if he ramps up to max velocity, which we haven't seen his, you know, uh, White Sox velocity in the minors in years now. So I'm just curious as to whether he can get up there and get back to that velocity without, without an injury. I don't know. Yeah. Like he was throwing his fastball, like up to 97 and he has not done that in, in quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, I wanted to move into uh, a situation that has been going on for a few years now. And it started after the pandemic issue where they cut, uh, um, uh, what is that? Uh, the extended season. Uh, yeah, the short, the the full short, season. Yeah. So there's full season rookie ball they got right. rid of, but they also got rid of the the yeah, like short, rookie short advanced season. level. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, Great Falls got, essentially. Right. Yeah, they got rid of the Voyagers and cut ties with them. And now word is coming out that the schedule for the Arizona complex and Florida compact complex leagues are being modified and not necessarily a shorter season, uh, but just changing the timeline of it. Uh, your thoughts on how that's going to uh, change development plans for some of these uh, for, for the guy. Let's, I guess let's start with yeah. the guys who are already on the team let's start with them as they're the ones who are going to be playing in the complex league this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's helpful for your George Wolkow's of the world and your Javier Magoyans and Mogollon. I'm going to keep saying that wrong. Um, and Abraham Nunez and all these guys who get to play in real games, like right away, basically like by May, their season will start and they'll be playing. The alternative was they would go to extended spring and they'd play on all these backfield games. Um, that didn't count. One other part of that was like, if you were playing extended spring games, you did not get paid, um, which kind of sucks. And I know they, this is what the White Sox did with Yoelki Cespedes years ago, because I don't have to get into the bonus stuff. I know you understand it, but like these guys like aren't getting their full bonuses if they're stateside, like in their signing year. Cespedes was able to come over and play extended spring games because since the games didn't count, it like didn't take his bonus away, whatever. So yeah, so now that's like not a thing. Um, so that's like the front end. Like these guys will get to play on the front end. Their season will end sooner, whatever. Okay. I hated it when I first saw it because it's just another example of like owners trying to cut money for no reason. But I do know that like scouting directors knew that like changes were coming and they preferred this because I guess it's like really hard at the end of the year to like have enough pitching. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Like the end of the year is brutal because like anybody that was really good in the in the um, rookie league, you want to get to low A as soon as possible. And then like if you're drafting a ton of college pitchers, like they just you can't throw them a ton of innings. So I, I think that's part of the reason. So you're basically flipping it. So the end of the season will be more of like an extended spring training instructs like environment. Um and the season will still end, I think, right around the same time or, or earlier. I think it ends like around the draft. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it'll right be before, done. I think. Yeah. So then you'll have guys like, like if George Wolkow is awesome and you feel like 18 year old George Wolkow's ready, maybe you send him to Kannapolis to finish his season. And if not, he's just doing like an extended instructs, like after a full rookie season type thing. So, that's the gist of it. it. It will be a little bit different, though, because, you know, we might actually have game highlights of super young dudes like right away instead of waiting until that season starts. Yeah, uh, you know, again, it's 
you know, we're, we hardly ever get video of any of those guys anyway, right. you know, when they're in the, the ACL, right. so it's kind of a bummer. Well, and the big, I mean, the big thing is like the, the roster too, like you could, you might know this more than me. Like you could roster, I think 180 guys last year, not counting the DSL this year. It's down even further. It's down to like 165. So I feel like you could have the full season if you didn't have roster restrictions, because you could still take a Seth Keener out of wake forest and baby him a little bit. If you were allowed to sign five guys out of the independent league and just throw them instead. But if you're not allowed to roster those that many players, like that's where this like becomes a big time issue. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Steve sleepy Harold, our, our buddy here. Um, so May 4th start ends July 25th. Um, the draft, so I'm guess, after, I'm thinking yeah. the draft is like a couple weeks before that, probably yeah, whatever yeah. the all-star break is. Yeah, so. I don't even know what the date on it is, I, but it's I like, it'll be, that, it'll be yeah, mid July yeah. in the teens yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So that, so that makes sense. So then anything after July 25th will be instruct. So if the White Sox have a college heavy draft, my guess is the position players go to canny. Um, and then the pitchers, it's just kind of like a case by case basis. High schoolers will just go play some backfield games. You know, somebody made a comment from baseball America. It might've been JJ that said it was like a tricky league, um, environment. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, like tricky league games take place down in the Dominican at the white Sox affiliate. Um, so like in theory, like the white Sox are allowed to have guys at their complex that are not officially signed by them. That might be 15. Um, that can play in tricky league games, which are just like fake games that go on in backfields in the Dominican Republic. Um, and every team does this and they're just like not publicized, but it's similar, you know, Arizona and Florida will be similar to that. I think. Interesting. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, when, when it happens in the Dominican, it's kind of one of those things where I go, okay, yeah, that's to be expected. Mm -hmm. But now that they're doing it over here, yeah, they're going to do I it. I kind of like give it the, the, the cock dog, yeah, head, you know, right? Are you gonna uh, are you gonna ignore this from clutch hat trick or what? We I, guys, I think we're like we're gonna torture ourselves. I, I think. I mean, I was so that was that was next on the list yeah, here. We're gonna be is, sitting there hoping he hoping he falls the whole time and he's gonna go one to Cleveland. So probably, like, yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. Although you know, I thought Chase uh, Chase Dollander would. I know end up true. you know falling to the socks. He didn't make it that far. Yeah, but you know, I, everybody thought mm -hmm. he was gonna go number one. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, NCAA baseball mm -hmm. started up this past weekend. Uh, did you watch, uh, how much of it did you watch? Was there any, did you have any thoughts on, uh, some of the performances that you saw? Yeah. So I have some, some thoughts. I actually, I, I like, you know, I, I think I like the, I would like the players more <clears throat> if I knew the White Sox weren't picking so high, if that makes any sense. So like, I like a lot of these players. But it's a flawed class, man. It's like but at number five. Right? Yeah, there's like all these mashers that are going to be first baseman. And even like Bazana or Weatherholt. Like, I look, I wouldn't be upset, but like you're taking a second baseman with the fifth pick. I mean, it's just not great. So, you know, for anybody that hasn't really paid attention, you know, there's two guys at the very top um, that are interesting that are all over your Twitter feeds. If you look for them, you know, Travis Bazana is is pretty good. I mean, second baseman with power, 
Um, it's Oregon State for you know anybody that is gonna like start convulsing at another Oregon State infielder, but you know, and then <laughs> JJ, different and then JJ, yeah, and then JJ Weatherholt, and then there's a ton of like serious mashers, but they're gonna end up at first. Like we've talked about Nick Kurtz of Wake Forest, um, you know, there's what the 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 third baseman at LSU, the name is escaping me right now, but he's um tommy uh tommy white yeah he's yeah he's probably yeah. gonna move to first and you have jack caglia who's the two-way guy that's a first baseman um a guy that was really good today is charlie condon of georgia some people think he ends up at first but he's playing the outfield but those guys are all top 10 picks i mean so what it's a you, very uh, college heavy but it's not at premium positions yeah well what do you think about vance honeycutt Speaking of a premium position, because he does play a very nice center field and he does have yeah. pop. He's hit a couple of home runs already. Yeah. So I wish he was left-handed. Um, and it's a lot of strikeouts. We'll have to see. Like at the end of the year, it kind of reminds me of like Judd Fabian, where it's just like super talented, but so many K's and you just like shouldn't strike out that often, like in, in the NCAA. But again, like that's also a guy who can just like figure it out. And he has so many tools that he's like an all-star every year. So it, I mean, it's risky for sure, but you know, we'll see how the season goes. I will say like the white Sox of the teams that are like up there. I mean, Colorado is picking third. They've popped pitchers a lot lately. The white Sox won't be afraid to take a picture. If like there's a college pitcher, that's like the consensus top guy in the class and everybody else goes position player. The White Sox aren't going to be the front office that's like, no, we're not going to take a pitcher that high. They'll do it. They'll definitely do it. So that's one thing that's interesting. You know, Chase Burns obviously has been the best guy, but it's a it's a pretty good college pitching class. So guys will rise up the board. Um, the prep class isn't great. So, you know, it, it should be a lot of a lot of college at the top. And it's early, but I mean, like the prep class isn't that good. Yeah. That's that's my that's my fear. You know, that was my fear before the season started. Uh, I was worried that you know the best players in college, the ones who are actually those kind of people that you could dream on and say, "Oh, I could see that guy being up with the White Sox in you know a year and a half from now and putting up meaningful stats." Uh, I. I feel a little bit less of that because I see that there is some some decent college stuff out there. The only the only question is, is it going to be a bunch of first basemen? Right. You know? Yeah. I wish we could take Wyatt Lankford. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we could just uh, call up uh, Chris Young and maybe he'll uh, maybe yeah. he'll deal. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of guys that I haven't seen. You know, like the the guy that would be the funniest is Mike Sirota. Because you've had Mike Sorotka, you've had Michael Soroka, and then you oh, could you. you could have Mike Sorota or or uh, my my Sharona from yeah he was from Northeastern White Sox he was last once year, yeah and I was like oh man that's terrible and he's supposed to be pretty toolsy and interesting but yeah I yeah. don't know I don't really know anything about him other than that <laughs> yeah I don't think uh, where where's he at like American University North no he's at Northeastern. Northeastern. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was some weird, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, baseball ish school. Yeah. He's one of them. Like one of the, he's one of the many guys that hasn't transferred. So I like Seaver King is like the center fielder for wake forest. He was a shortstop for Wingate and he was so good at Wingate Wingate that he's on like the college all American team. Like he's a stud. Um, but guys have obviously been transferring like crazy. I mean, it's like, it's just like college football where guys are like all over the place.
Oh man, do I not want to have that that Fields <laughs> Williams conversation here in the White Sox realm? That would be the worst thing ever. <laughs> so I'm happy that we don't have to think about that. Um, yeah. So I I had this uh, just a, a brief thought here before we uh, wrap things up. I was talking to Elijah yesterday, and uh, I was talking about <laughs> Chase Burns, and uh, he said, "Yeah, that team's awesome." And then I said, "Yeah, they are." but this amount of transfers should be illegal because every single guy that you see pretty much on that team, uh, with Austin Hawk, mm-hmm. uh, Chase Burns, uh, the other pitcher who I can't think of off the top of my head, also a transfer. It's like all like these, these guys that are putting up numbers for them. Yeah. All of them have transferred in the last year. Yeah. I think Massey was Massey was theirs right originally or no. Mm, I don't, I don't know. But then, the but Kurt Kurtz is their guy for sure. But yeah, no. I mean, you just go to baseball factories. I mean, they're all, they're all kind of doing it. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's definitely fun. Like watching Wake Forest is fun. I have my the same reservations about taking like position players from there that are power hitters. I mean, we've seen yeah. it with with Gavin Sheets, obviously, and like Nick Kurtz is like a seventy glove at first, so he's going to go pretty high. I hope, hopefully, in the top four is my is my hope right now, but. You know, we'll see. It's a college baseball. Um, it, it's pretty fun. Like there's 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 a lot of talent. Um, ESPN Plus has like all the games, so it's, it's awesome. It's kind of it's interesting. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that another thing on this transfer thing, just real quick. Uh, Tommy White. You know, he's at North Carolina State for a year. A yeah, good baseball school, mm-hmm. and then he moves to LSU. Right. It's like, so I heard, so I heard like, I was listening to Carlos Colazzo and Ben Badler's show and they had their Peter Flaherty on who's like covers this stuff like crazy. Uh, He's like one of the best, like doing like the college scene. And I don't know if it was Carlos. I think it's Carlos who, or one of them like was, had questions about like what you just said. Like everybody understands like some mid-major stud transferring to get seen, right? right? Exactly. But it's like when you're transferring from ACC power to ACC power, it's kind of weird, you know, like it's just, I just don't get it. I mean, it is like, and I know what we're doing. We're not doing the football show. Like, but I mean, it's like, like quarterbacks transfer every year in college football right now. You know, you can't have like that next guy in line because he needs to go play somewhere. So they're just like all over and they're staying in college till they're 24. Baseball's not like quite like that. Um, but guys do want to go and get seen. And sometimes it backfires. Like last year with Tennessee infielder, like Maui Ahuna was mm. supposed to be like a top 10 pick preseason. And he didn't go to like round four. I mean, he, he went to Tennessee and he had some issues like getting on the field, like cause of eligibility or something. And then it just like kind of totally backfired. So, but yeah, like there's more and more guys that like, when you start researching this draft that have been at multiple schools, you know, like in three years before, before, before they enter the baseball draft. So crazy. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else this week? Yeah, I do. So I, I want to touch on just like some conversations I've had over on X, um, which is a dangerous place, obviously, but yeah, exactly. Thanks, Elon. Um, no, just like about like the number of free agents still in baseball and like what, what is happening now? it's a really bad class um, of free agents and it has been. And look, I'm, I'm like the last guy that that's going to come on here and like stump for, for ownership. Um, 
But I do think like some of the big free agents, like Boris's guys, like I think are incredibly flawed and they have been this whole time to the point where like, like if I were Matt Chapman, I would have considered taking the qualifying offer and then going back out next year unencumbered. I mean, he had an OPS under 800, right? Blake Snell won a Cy Young. He's won two of them. But like Blake Snell often throws five innings. So like if people aren't beating down the door to give Blake Snell $210 million or whatever Boris is asking for, like plus the draft pick that you have to give up, plus the international bonus. But I just like don't think it's as simple and reductive as saying like, oh, owners are colluding and that's why these guys are all free agents. Owners are definitely colluding. Um, like we can get that straight now. And and front offices, we talked about like a little bit pre-show. All these guys are valued the same by every front office. I mean, come on. Like, that's a joke. Like, if Tim Anderson gets a one-year, $4 million offer from multiple teams, I mean, what do you think is going on, right? But I don't think that's what's happening to the Boris Four right now. I think we've seen this sometimes where he does this and he tries to drag, like, an owner into, into discussions and they usually, you know, like, they usually give in and... It seems like that hasn't happened. Bruce Levine is reported on 670. Like the Jed Hoyer has kind of like not allowed that for whatever that means. Like Boris has always done this. You get the owner involved, you go above the GM's head, and all of a sudden Chris Bryant's getting $175 million, you know? And it seems like a guy like Jed Hoyer is, you know, not playing that game. And Cody Bellinger's still a free agent. So we'll see what happens with all these guys. You know, it sucks that like basically like the low middle class like is getting paid no money. I mean, I think we just saw um who did who did the uh the Diamondbacks just sign? Um, you know, the uh the outfielder, the old angel that you know that that went uh I'd have to I'd have to look and see. But I yeah, I yeah. Know. you know, so like he went uh before Trout in his draft. That's what I always remember about, you know, oh. but but they're, but these guys are signing for, um, for like no money right now. Um, and, and it sucks and we're going to see a whole bunch more of them, but I don't think like owners not deciding. Gritchick. Yeah. Gritchick. Randall Gritchick. He got $2 million. I mean, that's a bargain for him. I mean, he's not that yeah. good, but like that's he's no that good, money for a guy. He's like, not that bad. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there's clearly something going on but these Boris guys are not great, man. They're, they're just not. And I kind of like foresaw this potentially being an issue, especially with qualifying offers involved. I think teams are also probably saving some money for next year. Uh, number one and number two. Yeah. It's just uh, everybody's valuing these people the same at this point is that you, you, you look at all these stats and it's just like, yeah, I got, I got it. I got it. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that, um, you know, you look at these stats and you're like, yeah, he's he's a decent ball player, but is he $10 million decent ball player? Right. You know, it's like I can find a guy that's like roughly around the same talent level yeah. for 20%, 25% of the price. So why am I going to shell out the big bucks with I could spend a, a lot less to get, yeah. you know, roughly around for the same sure. production? Yeah, Doug Doug brought up the cable company issues. Um, that's true. I mean, for like a team like Texas, who I think would have no problem bringing back like a Jordan Montgomery, it seems like that's truly affected them. And it seems like like a team like Minnesota is affected by that. Clearly, like the Dodgers 
are not and the Giants are not, right? And the Giants have been a team that's rumored on all these guys, but the Giants are also like under Farhan Zaidi, not gonna just like go crazy and give Matt Chapman $140 million over six Why years because you? they yeah. feel like they need to. I mean, that that's just like not going to happen. So like, I, you know, this has been presented as a like get back at Scott Boris thing by many. Well, we'll find out next year when like if Corbin Burns and Juan Soto were free agents, like I'm pretty sure they'd be signed right now. So it's not a Scott Boris is the agent problem. It's a Scott Boris is the agent of these flawed players that want too much money problem. That's I think I agree with you that that is that is the problem. Uh, One quick thing. Um, So uh, it was brought up the other day that uh, Rob Manfred is retiring in 2029. How do you feel about that? So Theo Epstein takes over in 2029. I don't know, know. but he's part, he's, he's now he's part of the ownership group. So is he going to do that? You know, I mean, I granted the the salary is insane. So Mm -hmm. I I understand, but you know, that guy's made a lot of money as is. Mm -hmm. Well, the Uh, big, so, so Manfred gets one more CBA then, right? Like, yeah. So yeah. Okay. So then that's, that's what he's there for. He'll try to change the game one last time and then look it'll we'll see if it's like a manfred crony or if it's actually you know somebody who knows right like uh will will jerry reinsurf be alive when there's a next baseball commissioner that's what i want to know but i mean i'm not wishing death on anybody uh but five years is a long time at that uh at that age so who knows will we have a new stadium by then oh yeah yeah and will and will Illinois taxpayers pay for it? Okay, I think it's time to go. <laughs> all right, futuresocks.net. Uh, you can find all sorts of written content. You can find this podcast. Uh, you can also find the uh, recent podcast of Prospect Edric Felix done by our own Elijah Evans. Uh, that interview is on there. Uh, while you're on there, please stop by and uh, visit our Patreon if you feel like supporting our product. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at futuresocks. You can find me. I am Ian Eskridge at Daily White Sox. That is James Fox at James Fox 917. Uh, you can find this uh, if you are not watching on YouTube. Know that you can find this on YouTube in video form. You can also find it in audio only form. Uh, you can also watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash future socks. Uh, there are two other streams that happen during the week on this uh, this lovely platform here. Uh we have the Future Sox MLB podcast with Nick Morosky and Danny Miller and sometimes me um, on on uh, Tuesday nights. And on Monday nights, there is the uh, Future Sox Roundup with Elijah Evans and uh, AAA Jeff Cohen. Uh, they talk about uh, mostly minor leagues, uh, mostly minor league guys. And, uh, you know, they've been breaking down uh, guys to watch in the, in the system. So you can go back and uh, check out the podcasts if you have not listened to them already. Um, thank you so much for your time. My name is Ian Eskridge. That's James Fox. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Bye.